Hannah Young, and you're listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Isnick, sponsored by Philanthropic Impact. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Caring Economy with me, Toby Usnick. Today, my guest is Dean Falk. He is the regional managing partner of the, of the global legal giant DLA Piper out of California, and he is also the author of the Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Impact the World. So today we're going to talk about his legal career, his trajectory, but also the book. So welcome to The Caring Economy, Dean. Thanks so much, Toby. It's, it's great to be here, and I'm, I've been a big fan of your podcast, so it's an honor to be on. Well, thank you very much. Dean, we always start with asking our guests to tell us a little bit about his or her, their story, how they got where they got, maybe like a two-minute synopsis of where you're born, where you went to school, where you mentored, where you maybe pivoted, anything that you think would be interesting to our listeners. Yeah, thank you for asking. Originally from the Midwest, I, I grew up in the Detroit, in the Detroit suburbs uh-huh. and um, had made my way into the Bay Area, fell in love with the Bay, the Bay Area after college, uh-huh. did a couple of uh, stints overseas. I, I went to graduate school uh, in the United Kingdom, studied international relations, really fell in love with the idea of looking at different cultures, looking at their political systems and their economies. Ended up as a Fulbright Scholar to Korea, really fell in love with uh, that part of the world in Northeast Asia and Korea in particular. Somewhere in the, along the way, I, I actually managed to get a law degree, uh, maybe despite myself, and actually started my legal career um, in Northeast Asia and working on, primarily working on, you know, international investment into Asia spent some time as a consultant for the World Bank and some teaching on the side and ultimately made my way back to the Bay Area where I've, where I've been for the last, you know, 15 plus years. And most of that time at DLA Piper, it's been a really, really incredible journey. Uh, as an organization, we have grown and expanded our expertise dramatically. And I talk a little bit in the book, uh, Toby, about what it means to have a career in, in private practice or in the private sector, but at the same time, really develop your impact in the community mm-hmm. uh, and beyond internationally, globally. And so, you know, I've had the opportunity to serve in some government functions and, and also um, work on political campaigns and civic organizations and think tanks and host uh, and advise political leaders from around the world. So it's been a really terrific, uh, it's not over yet hopefully, but it's been a terrific <laughs> ride. And thank you for mentioning the book, which came yeah. out in May. And yeah. we talk a little bit about what it means to be this new, what we call the citizen states person. So maybe have a chance to discuss that a little bit also. Yeah, absolutely. But first, let's go back. I'm intrigued. I didn't realize um, I spent some pretty formative years in the Northwest suburbs of Detroit as well. Oh, you did? Okay. We're about Yeah, Birmingham. Birmingham, yes. Birmingham, uh, Huntington Woods, uh-huh. Birmingham, and actually graduated uh, high school in Southfield. And then I also had a Fulbright to Belgium. So I'm intrigued at that part of your oh, journey as well. You're practicing law, but your specialization in law, I guess, helped inform your book. Is that, is that a fair statement? Or these two things come to overlap. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's a lot of what we, some of what we talk about in the book. And I say we, because I have a co-author, Carrie Rich, who's just, just amazing. And she's the CEO of the Global Good Fund. And they train uh, social entrepreneurs and leaders from around the world. And she's also 
in the process of raising preferred social impact funds. So uh, we're co-authors uh, in the book, but yeah, I mean, so part of the idea is some of the, the, the citizen states people could have a, you know, these days we're seeing a varied career where you may go from government to NGO to private sector in the course of a career or vice of any, any formulation, you know, uh, thereof, or in the course of being in the private sector or government or what have you, you may actually you know, you may actually work on some of these social impact issues in your community and beyond. In my case, I've had the private practice. It happens to be very international in focus, which is really, frankly, terrific at DLA Piper. You know, we are, we're in 90 plus cities around the world and represent more than half of the Fortune 250. So in the course of thinking through legal, regulatory, tax issues for many of our clients, I've been able to develop a sense of what's going on in the country, in the political system. So absolutely, that's really inspired a lot of my interests in policy and what, what I've been working on as well. Um, and I think part of, the, part of our thesis with the citizen states person is, you know, if we live in a moment where people are skeptical or, you know, have, have lost some confidence in traditional institutions of power, government, in yep. some cases, big corporate entities or multinational organizations, that individuals are doing more than ever. And they are kind of super powered, if you will. You know, there have been social entrepreneurs dating back, you know, way back to de Tocqueville in this country, or, you know, really since democracies have been around. But the difference is, that today, you know, in the same way that we see um, entrepreneurs in the private sector that can leverage information technology, networking tools, social media, and really the, the barriers of entry are lower yes. and the ability to amplify greater, same is true of uh, community leaders, social mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. And these are the citizen states people. They are in some cases, in many cases, you know, filling gaps, perhaps that government or, you know, those other in institutions of power may have filled in the past, but there's mm -hmm. so much. Uh, and so we, we've been so inspired by these leaders. And Carrie and I just thought, wow, we would love to get together and maybe profile uh, 10 of them or a dozen of them from yep. Africa, from Latin America, from the United States, talk about what they're doing, talk about what we think the traits are, and, and tell our own stories a little bit. And yeah. so appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, well, I, I would like you to, if you would, uh, Dean, give us a couple examples. But first, can you tell us first more, maybe in terms of conceptually the, the buckets or the traits that you look for in the, uh, in the citizen salesperson? Are they, are they homegrown? Are they skewing toward male, female? Are they elites? Are they wealthy? Well, good question. I mean, our thesis is, and, and, and the empirical, experience is they don't need to be elites and they certainly don't need to be wealthy and they and and citizen states people are are very very diverse and they come from all walks of life and that's really part of i think the point is uh, you don't you, you don't have to be you don't have to start out as someone with power and influence to have influence and to make a difference and so what part of what we talk about in the book is how do you start to think about, you know, first looking, looking inward and thinking about your values and what, what matters to you, and then taking that and building expertise and, you know, building a network 
and kind of starting to get involved in a conversation? And how can you partner with established organizations, whether they're, you know, think tanks or partnering with, you know, NGOs or even government? And so, and leveraging them to really make a difference. So stage people, they're men and they're women and they're young and they're old and they come from all walks of life. And so it's a, I think it, it, we mean it to be a very inclusive message. And, um, and that's frankly part of what's so exciting about it. We wanted the book to be accessible, but also somewhat hopefully motivational in the sense that you see people. You can relate to Abby, Abby Wamimos, you know, we talked about who starts out in the slums of Lagos, Nigeria, and has a, has a concept and, and brings this incredible tool to the United States, starts a company, Susu. It, the basic concept was, how do you build your financial record and your credit history if you don't have credit, if you're not a homeowner? And, you know, so if you're a renter and you make a, a late payment, guess what? Your credit gets dinged. Ding. Yeah. But if yeah. you're a renter and you make your payments on time every month, why is it you can't build credit so that you can then, you know, take on loans or become a homeowner and so on. Anyway, so it's, he became, he made his way to the United States, built this incredible project. And I think it was three weeks ago, Susu went public on the NASDAQ. So, so there's a lot of incredible stories and we hope that they're inspirational. We do talk a little bit about what we, you know, what we, what the path has been, what our path has been. We have key takeaways we have resources at the end of the book about where to where to start, what kind of organizations you might want to you might want to look into. So hopefully there's a little something in it for everyone. Yeah. For the sort of the structuring of these efforts, legal, administrative, financial, uh, I would guess the U.S. is a great place for that kind of entrepreneurial spirit. But are there other sort of hot spots around the world from, I don't know, Lagos to yeah. Seoul to uh, Tokyo. Absolutely. And it's a it's really become a globalized um, sense of, I think, because we are more interconnected than ever before. We see people's stories on the Internet, you know, in, in the context of social media. People mm-hmm. are connecting like never before. So the, the marketplace for making a difference is absolutely global. To be mm-hmm. sure, and and whether it's getting an idea from somebody, you know, the you know, so many incredible young people on the African continent. So we and we and we highlight a number of citizen states people in Africa. They are so young. They have such a desire to make a difference, and the opportunities are extraordinary. So places like Kenya or like Nigeria are just you know you know, South Africa, and you know, you see a lot of, a lot of activity, but also in Latin America, in Asia, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned Korea, the ASEAN countries, a lot of people stepping forward with ideas and concepts and um, solutions that very, very quickly spread throughout the region. And then, you know, sometimes way beyond. So the United States is, you know, the United States is incredible because we have such a, we are a country of citizen activists or citizen participants. And um, so yeah. I, I agree with you. And, you know, we, we make it, we're very, a very porous country in terms of if you want to get 
involved yeah. in politics, or as you say, if you know, it's it's if you want to start an organization or get involved with an organization, it's incredibly flat in a lot of ways to get your foot in the door. And then the question becomes, how can I move it forward? How can I, you know, make it, you know, either yeah. part of my career or, you know, or make a real difference. I had a, a colleague once explained to me that a, an attractive measure of a community, a city, a town, a region is the number of patents that are filed in that region or that place each year, because that's got creative juices and a, right. an ecosystem that is supporting this kind of experimentation that you're describing, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, it's true. The, the amount of intellectual property um, that a country produces says a lot about, not everything, but a lot about its innovation. And then if the rule of law really supports the intellectual property yes. protection, then that is also a very positive sign for what entrepreneurs can do and what can build. And you, you, you know, you have to have those kind of incentives to be yeah. able to, you know, create a technology or a process, you know, and then be able to commercialize it. So it's a great analogy. And the same can be said in terms of community involvement and community impact. Uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, today on The Caring Economy, we have Dean Falk. He's a regional managing partner at DLA Piper, the global law firm. He's also the co-author, I should say, of the best-selling Impact the World. Dean, can you talk a little bit about your corporate clients, maybe not naming names, but when you, yeah. when you look out globally at the brands that you've worked with, what's the reality for their embracing impact work, social impact, the, the nature of the types of initiatives and people that you're describing in your book? I think what we've seen in recent memory in the last five or 10 years uh, represents a very, a very um, sharp departure in a lot of ways. I mean, you see it, you see it in the headlines and newspapers that the leading companies in America and beyond, they are, they are being asked to look at their, at the world in a much broader way, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of, you know, building shareholder value just is not enough anymore. Mm -hmm. The you know the broader stakeholder set, employees and customers and the community, um, they're they're being asked to, to look longer term at impact and in terms of what their business is doing. And and you know the in many cases the the social conditions we've seen in this country have changed. And so if companies want to continue to serve their customers and resonate, have their mm -hmm. brands resonate with customers. Um, they are they are heeding that that broader directive. Um, shareholder, whether it's shareholder activism or you know shareholder on the institutional side, a lot has been written and and think about Larry Fink's letters uh, letter to CEOs in 2019. Mm -hmm. And so we do live in a very different environment. I, I think you know to my mind, Toby, progress is almost never linear. So I think it, you know, as the as the broader macroeconomic environment uh, is dynamic, and as we see different aspects of the business cycle, it'll be interesting to see certain aspects of emphasis or de-emphasis on a lot of that trend trend line. But I can tell you, you know, we as a law firm clients, they want our assistance in thinking through how they can be make a more positive impact in their communities, and then. They look to us to say, well, if we're going to do this, you need to do this. And we are more than happy to oblige. I mean, you know, as lawyers, 
you know, we take our own, we take our versions of the Hippocratic Oath. And yeah. so we are also yeah. committed to our communities. And, you know, we have a, we're very, very proud of our, our community efforts at Daily Piper, our pro bono impact at the, you know, at the local, state, federal, we do, we do international um, and global pro bono through our new perimeter projects. And so we, you know, we want to be involved in a lot of these conversations. We want to get legal help to many of the neediest and, under, and most underrepresented. So, um, I mean, act, asking us to be uh, more socially aware is just, frankly, is, is, is music to our ears. Now, since you're a, a managing partner for uh, the Northwest uh, California area, is it safe to say that a lot of your clients are tech clients? In Northern California, we are very, very tech heavy. Yeah. And we've been in Northern California for, for the better part of four decades um, as, a, you know, as DLA and then through our legacy firm. So we really say that we have Northern California DNA and tech DNA. We've worked with, you know, venture capitalists and startup and the emerging growth community, you know, two women and a dog, all the way up through to some of the most iconic, you know, tech companies, you know, in, in America and beyond. So we, we're always pushing to be a more forward-looking and innovative organization. I'm a little biased in saying I think Northern California is one of the places that best helps us, you know, pushes us to do that. If you can name names, great, but if not, that's fine. But could you give us a sample or an example rather of say a, a client tech or otherwise that you've helped with legal work on a, a quote unquote social impact initiative or a, a product or service that had that kind of ripple effect from it? Maybe I'll say that if you look around your room right now and see some products that you're using or services that you're, you know, that you may or may not take advantage of, then you will see many of our clients. You know, we partner with them. They actually want to do pro bono work on a particular area, whether it's helping refugees from the war in Ukraine or working on climate change issues, right? So we're the official, uh, we're the only law firm that's the official um, legal counsel to the COP climate talks, right? Okay. So we are able to partner with clients. They want to, you know, clients, Many of our clients have, have growing, very, very sophisticated legal teams, uh, but that doesn't mean that they necessarily have the, the bandwidth to do, do all of the yeah. kind of pro bono community mm -hmm. service that they want to do. So I think you know, we and other law firms are well situated in many cases to do that. We love to work side by side. It's a great way to see clients in another context, to further develop relationships. And you feel good about, you know, you, you want to be part of something bigger, you know, big tech, big tech and technology, they've done some, they've transformed our day-to-day -day lives in so many ways. But the other side of it is that, you know, the fast changing society um, is very, very disruptive. And mm -hmm. so they have a bit, you know, a lot of tech companies absolutely have their work cut out for them mm -hmm. in terms of demonstrating to their customers and to the public, you know, continually demonstrating that they are responsible stakeholders, that they're thoughtful, and that they do have, you know, that they have our best interests at heart. So you'll see from, of course, from the headlines, congressional testimony, you know, you know, partnering with law firms, other organizations to do things in the community is really, 
I think is part and parcel of that ongoing dialogue. Dean, if someone wants to be in touch with you with your two different hats, how does one find you for the legal and how does one find you for the book? Well, it's not, it's really not hard to find me, truth be told, uh, because if you Google my name, I'm, I'm the only one, you know, in this solar system and you can Google me and I have a public profile at the law firm and you can, you can send me an email. We also have a land, a separate landing page for the book, which is impacttheworldthebook.com or citizenstatesperson.com. Either one will send you our way. I'm not that hard to find. So ESG, environment, social governance, huge, huge growth area for investment, for business. Um, obviously, you work heavily in that area with your legal work. Can you talk a little bit about some of the trends, perhaps, that you're seeing around ESG in the legal community? What do you have to say? I, yeah, I mean, this is a this is a growth area for for law firms and certainly for our firm. And I was actually just um, on a, speaking on a panel in South Korea a few weeks ago to hear some of the views from legal scholars from around the world um, as to there's a there's a focus the environmental side. I mean, need, need I say um, if you have a business anywhere. Um, it's impacted by environmental issues, right? Um, that are that are that are manifold, and um, that's just that goes without saying. Companies are looking at how they can be more responsible, how can how they can reduce their carbon footprint, help mitigate climate change. There's all sorts of you know interesting work going on in the climate space, and and alongside of efforts to re in terms of climate and energy transition. So that is really a big area. We as a firm have worked incredibly hard to reflect our client base, reflect our communities. Big law has a way to go. We really, we, you know, we do, but we are, we are, we are absolutely committed to, um, you know, being as inclusive and as diverse as possible and clients demand it. They absolutely demand it. And so if you want to be successful in the business, you have to do it. They will, you know, you will be asked, you know, chapter and verse in terms of, you know, the projects that you're working on, the most important projects for clients, you know, how diverse is the team? What does it look like? What do the most senior attorneys on this look like? So it can't, it can't just be lip service or anything like that. What about the, the recruitment aspect of it? Are you just recruiting at top flight law schools? Are you doing anything at HBCUs or non-traditional uh, pools for sourcing talent? Yeah, we have really expanded our look at, in terms of, all, in terms of the law schools that we, that we visit, that we recruit from. We have a number of diversity-related programs and fellowships and internships. Mm -hmm. So this is really an area of focus for the firm for many and for many you know firms and it's 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 just a critical area so we, we're working hard at it and then on the governance piece you you said you were south korea rather do you i think of asia and africa in particular where governance is uh perhaps being more tested what what about the governance area the es the g and the esg what are you seeing there a lot of focus on Thinking through, and again, it of course, it, it of course ties to diversity, but particularly having diverse members of the board, you know, of the board of directors in the boardroom, and how to do that. You know, whether should you do it by fiat? You've seen, you've seen a, you know, a raft of legislation in Europe, in California, and the rest of the world is watching in terms of should we mandate 
you know, certain kinds of board composition, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, alongside of it, companies are looking to have more diverse boardrooms. Um, again, this is an area, depending on, if you look at the numbers in some of these Asian countries, if you look at the numbers uh, for a lot of European countries, you don't see a lot of diversity um, in the boardroom. Yeah. So this is an area that has, I think is evolving very, very quickly. It isn't moving as quickly as many of us would like, mm -hmm. uh, but the discussions are very, very robust. We, we want to get beyond discussion into real change. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm, I'm personally very pleased to see that, you know, countries that traditionally haven't given a lot of thought, you know, to boardroom diversity and what does it mean? How do you come to the best, how do you come to the best decisions if you have a very narrow viewpoint, right? right? You want a plurality of input. You want a plurality of perspectives and, and wisdom and experience. And that's critically important. I mean, it's kind of, it's like talking about how can you have the most yeah. productive workforce if you exclude people from the workforce or you don't give them the fullest set of opportunities. So um, I think the discussions are very productive. Um, there are some very, you know, there are some healthy skeptics around, you know, talk is cheap. And progress is, is, is never a given. And it's, as I say, it's never linear in the sense that if you don't keep pushing for these things, you can take two steps forward, you can take one or two steps backwards. So another two-part question for you. So young people that you're coaching or that you interact with, you're recruiting, what advice do you give to young people in terms of potentially pursuing a legal career? And then what do you give to young people that are interested in magnifying their impact? Sure. Unfortunately, the law uh, has become in some ways very much a privileged profession. And in some ways it ha has been since inception, but you, you, you will have heard Toby, the cost of legal education has yeah. absolutely skyrocketed. You don't want to be glib about encouraging people to take on a lot of debt and so on and so forth. Sure. But I think for the thoughtful entrant, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful, it is number one, a profession of ideas and continues to be in a profession of values. It's a place where whatever, you know, we're a country founded by lawyers. And so, you know, whether we talk about the boardroom or in political life, pretty there's almost always room Absolutely. at the table for at least one lawyer. You can be that lawyer. I think for young people thinking about law, I would say really give some thought to what you might want to do after you get the degree, whether that's you know in in government service or in private sector or in the NGO, you know, yeah. not-for-profit space. But I think it remains to be technology has been impacting our profession dramatically in recent years, but in recent decades. Um, and that presents a lot of opportunities. It also it represents a lot of change in terms of what we're doing, how we're relying on technology. It's a very exciting time to be a lawyer. And I think, again, for these young citizen states people who have the opportunity to get that kind of education and want to be involved in a variety of issues I've talked about in the book, for me, it's been a great platform to work in the community, to work on some of these issues 
you know, I would say if you have an interest in doing it, it's an absolutely wonderful education, wonderful career path. Be thoughtful about it. And one of the things I love consistently with the lawyers is not only do they give you their informed legal advice and then you make the decisions you, but they can write well. They have grammar that a lot of young people today just don't bring to the workplace. I just appreciate the writing skills of my fellow colleagues who are in the general counsel. Well, thank you. Communicating is critically important. And that can mean that means writing and it means it could mean public speaking. And so working on your communication skills, I mean. You can have the best ideas in the world, but if you can't communicate them, yes. how can you persuade? How can you persuade? How can you get others to contribute to what you're doing? So, you know, spend your life honing those crafts. I, I agree. And then the second audience that we we're talking about is for the, the young people who want to be, uh, who want to magnify their impact. What advice do you give them besides pick up a copy of the impact? Yeah, get the book. You can be part of the conversation. You absolutely, it doesn't matter, you know, you know, where you're from or where you're sitting, you can contribute. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is take stock of your values, what matters to you, your assets, and kind of progress through how you can go about building your, your network, your personal brand, right? So it's a step-by-step -step process to cultivating your impact that leads to ultimately figuring out very specific ways that you can move forward the conversation or make tangible changes. And then we talk about in the book that the, the you know, really the natural endpoint, although it's really a cycle, is then mentorship and then finding and recruiting other young people yes, into that circle. So mm -hmm. it is a virtuous cycle. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I would say commit to yourself that you're going to do it, take tangible steps every single day. And, you know, build your capital, personal capital, social capital. And we even talk about in the book, um, in a quite literal sense, like setting aside a capital that you're going to spend. It doesn't need to be thousands of dollars, but, you know, that you'll spend on your ongoing education or that you'll spend getting involved with some of these nonprofits. You, yeah. you know, you kind of have to put your time and your energy and your money is your way of Thank you for listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Usnick. Please share your comments and questions with Toby via Twitter at T Usnick or LinkedIn at Toby Usnick. And thank you for sharing The Caring Economy with your friends and colleagues.